So I don't know about you guys, but in my past, the absolute worst blowouts have come from taking in too much MCT oil powder. That have, can happen, yep. Have you guys experienced any of that? I made the mistake of cooking steak in MCT oil, and I <laughs> shat myself. It just drove through my body. Oh, it was horrible. No. Yeah, the I've keto issues. Some, yeah, I've had some issues myself. Uh, but what I, what I noticed from the Perfect Keto products, the, the uh, Perfect Keto MCT oil powder, is that you don't have that problem. At least for me. Have you guys run into that with this product? I've been good. Yeah, I've been yep. good too. And then <laughs> yeah. plus it makes your t- coffee taste really good. You got vanilla, you got chocolate, you got salted caramel. They taste really good. And if you're looking to dump something in your coffee, which I know a lot of people are, mm. but we can overdo it with like things like heavy whipping cream and butter and everything else. This is a great, easy, convenient way of doing it. Just dump it right in your coffee and it changes the flavor profile quite a bit. Yeah, and what's also awesome about the MCT oil powder is like it's not one of the, one of those things where you have to be keto adapted. It's not one of those things where you have to fast from sugar for like 10 years for it to taste good like Mm. some of these other keto products. It's good to literally anybody. And I'm happy to report I have not had one bad blowout from this Perfect Keto MCT oil powder. You guys really need to give it a go. Head over to perfectketo.com slash powerproject at checkout. Enter promo code powerproject10 for $10 off your order of $40 or more. Again, that's promo code powerproject10 for $10 off any order of $40 or more. I need to think a little bit here. Um, and see if I can remember everything because it's a hard act to follow, but we're not allowed to talk about politics. We can't talk about your old wrestling career. We can't talk about what you're currently doing. Can't talk about religion. And uh, I, I don't know that I that cover activity in general. Can, can we talk about football then? <laughs> well, we've been talking about football off the air for about 15 minutes. <laughs> Hell, y'all showed up from uh, Sacramento here in the main streets of Los Angeles. I got you back. Don't worry about nothing. Your safety. Yeah, we're pretty yeah. we're pretty nervous, actually. Dude, I got stuff stashed all over. Y'all are in a safe place. <laughs> and I was thinking, hey, man, I should text Mark, but I think I'm doing his show, but he might be doing my show. And then all you guys walked in here empty-handed, and I said, well, maybe they was going to do my show. <laughs> and now I'm doing your show. Yep, I think you're always running the show. I think that's what the deal is. Well, we've got four guys sitting around with four mics, so if we can't come up with something, then there's something wrong with all of us. Yeah, we should come up with something good. Dude, you're the gift of Gab. You're the big inventor. Come up with something. We're I got something. Here. I got something. Yarn. You've been training for a long time. How long have you been lifting for? Yeah, man, since I was in uh, fifth grade. Is it hard to still be consistent, or do you still love it? I still love it, but, you know, consistency – is the key and man towards the back end of 2019 i want a mule towards the back end of 2019 i want a mule deer hunting trip with my brother-in-law and man last year i went down there and i was on a don't drink spree mm. and that caused damn near a permanent rift in our relationship so this year doing the right thing i showed up with the jack daniels and zero coke because i'm watching the calories <laughs> but man we we blew out the back end of 2019 in high fashion and uh God dang it, we was out there at about, I don't know, 5,000-foot altitude, and I took a mule deer at about 450 yards away, and then we had to go up there and find it. And then, you know, coming to get that thing down, man, I'm used to hunting in South Texas. Well, this isn't a podcast about hunting. I'll get off of it. <laughs> People out there start you know, switching it down. Hey, you, you didn't kill nothing, did you? It's hard to eat them when they're alive. So anyway, dude, you know, I'm used to driving up something in South Texas, throw it in the back and go back to the house. Man, when you're out there in the mountains, I looked at my brother-in-law because this is the first time I'd done yeah. that. 
I said, man, what's next? He goes, man, I'll go get the buggy and drive it back around. And uh, he goes, you got a belt? I said, nope. He goes, here you go. He took off his belt and gave it to me. I wrapped the uh, belt around that deer's horns and started dragging it down that mountain. And, man, I can tell you, because I'm from South Texas and I live in Los Angeles, I know what zero foot of sea level is. And when you put me up 5,000, there's a big difference. And that's not even super high. So anyway, man, I'm I'm dragging that damn deer down that mountain, and we'd been on the jack the day before, and the day before that, and the day before that, and I was huffing and puffing. My heart was about to beat out of my chest. I said, "God dang!" I said, "Man, you're gonna die." <laughs> and I said, "If this is the way I'm gonna go down, at least I shot a mule deer on top of a mountain, and now I'm dragging him down." And I didn't go to the store to buy the some bitch either. And that was, uh, I've been eating on that mule deer, uh, ever since, and it was the best time I've ever been on. So, uh, I'm back in the groove now because I've got a timeline. I've got a date to meet. So I just had a treadmill delivered yesterday. Went down to the Mecca and saw Gold's Gym yesterday and they told me, Hey man, it's pretty, pretty low, you know, frequency <laughs> down about 1, 1 30 PM. I walked in about 1, 1 30 PM and I thought I was at a discotheque. Where's that? Was that inspiring? <laughs> man, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, man, there was people everywhere, and I'm kind of like pretty low key. So I think I'm just going to stay here at the house, do my treadmill. I got a power rack over there, but the consistency is the key. And now I'm back on track. So now I'm weighing and measuring everything again. It's kind of like a vicious cycle with me. I enjoy life, but I enjoy my fitness too. And sometimes one slides over, and and you got to reel it back in and get the fitness back. You know, but I, I still love training though. I figure, you, it, you know, at the very least, you know, I like to be in shape. I like to look good, you know, somewhat. I'm not a bodybuilder, but it just, just mentally, I feel better when I'm working out. You are a private guy, and it seems like you, you like to be at home and stuff like that. And uh, you like to hunt, and you like to, you know, just kind of be amongst some of your friends. And that's kind of a safe spot for you. Um, what's it like, you know, when you when you turned famous? You know, was that was that hard for you or or you know, did you still have your network of friends that you could get around to kind of decompress from some of that? No, well, you know, it was a long time coming. So, you know, it wasn't like it happened overnight. So it was kind of like you kind of just ease into it mm -hmm. and then it turns into something. And so it was like I 10, mean, 12 get, years before you're kind of on the map. You can maybe. get caught up in it. And you get a big head. And I've seen it happen to many people just because they get on TV. Uh, man, the way my parents raised us, I just, hey, man, kept everything on a DL. And when you get dropped on your head and damn near paralyzed, you know, anything can get taken from you. So, so appreciate it for what it is. But, uh, yeah, man. And I still, I still had my network of people that, you know, when I closed the doors or when I, when I used to have that ranch down there in South Texas, when I shut that gate, you know, that's my place and ain't nobody else going to be on that, out there. And, and if I don't see another human being other than my wife in three months, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard because people get, they must get so excited still this day when they see you because you were fighting for, you were fighting for the working man. You know, you're the beer drinking, kick the shit out of the boss guy like that. You were representing a lot of Americans. You, a lot of people would love to do that. Go to work tomorrow and kick the shit out of their boss. I'm sure they would. And I got a chance to do it every single time with Monday Night Raw. <laughs> and when I wrote the Monday Night Raw, I mean, a lot of times, I mean, you know, you got to understand life on the road, man. When you're dead dog tired, I mean, you do what you love. And, uh, you know, when you're able to do what you love, you know, every single day of the week and get paid for it, man, that's a pretty good feeling. And so a lot of times, you know, when you go to work and you, and when that glass breaks on Monday Night Raw, you know, that, you know, that's shit's on. You get a chance to go out there and do your thing. 
I segued off. What was the original question? Uh, just, you know, you were representing a lot of Americans. And so people were getting super excited when, you know, when people still, when they see you, they probably get so fired up. Right? Oh, that's, that's the one I was trying to make. Thank you very much. Uh, when I was at Gold's Gym yesterday, you know, they got that uh, muscle man, you know, the Gold's oh, Gym yeah, yeah, physique. Yeah. And so there's a pedestal that you step on and you put your chin in the <laughs> yeah, thing and take yeah. a picture. So I took a, uh, I had Rich Manager take a picture for my Instagram account. And uh, the guys that dropped off my treadmill yesterday, they had to make some adjustments this morning. So they came over this morning and they told me that from the window, a lot of people from the gym were taking pictures of me from behind, <laughs> taking pictures on the gold gym pedestal. And they wouldn't say nothing to me while I was in the gym because they didn't know well, I was all camoed out. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, is he dangerous? Is he cool? Or is he going to stun my ass? <laughs> no, but everybody's really cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, they're probably letting you have your time to yourself. It's workout time, right? That's well, surprising, though. I was just in there just kind of perusing around. Yeah. I thought I might pick up a piece or two for my, my gym in Nevada, but I, I wasn't going to train. I'm a little bit of a germaphobe, man. I, I was talking to the guy that managed mm. that place, and everybody's coming in. And I was like, God dang, man, there's a lot of human beings in here. Got to be a lot of germs floating around that place. I know on my, on my equipment, I'm basically about the only guy handling it. So, I, you know, I'm walking around like, uh, who was that guy? That real big germaphobe who used to have the Purell all the time. Mm. Comedian. Oh. oh, I don't remember. Anyway, Purell. I digress. Uh, I who it was. Howie Mandel? Yes. Yeah. Howie Mandel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. For the win. I only know that because I read something where, like, they, they put, like, a prank on him where, uh, like, they hypnotize him or something weird and they had everybody touch him Ooh. and then he got out of it and he yeah. just like tried to sue everybody or something weird mm. but yeah you got to check out golds when uh it's real hot and sweaty and muggy on summer mornings oh. it's the worst like it's all gross. the all the bars you touch as soon as you're done you know it's like i got like almost yeah, like rust everything and everything <laughs> there's old like everything yeah, a, lot, a lot of old. shit that's really old now. yeah even if it ain't old, if it's brand new, there's been a whole bunch of people around. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, because those germs ain't embedded in that steel, but there's just a bunch of fresh human beings coming over and grabbing all over it. But I tell you what, it is, uh, and I'm probably just going a little bit overboard about the uh, germs, but I digress. When you go in there and see cats like and see them over here, you all jacked up in shape. It's inspiring. So, you know, it's kind of like it's, it's very motivating. And then when when the, the chick is over there and she's doing eighty pound dumbbell presses, and he's like, "All right, I've done my game a little bit." So it, I think it helps with intensity. Yeah, when you're on the road, uh, you know, back in the day, like, how much time did you guys have for training, like, if at all? Uh, we had all kinds of time because you fly into a town or drive into the town the night before. You know where the gym's at because hey, look at this table. And let's just say it's the United States, and so you know, basically, we're always making loops around the United States. Yeah. So it's the same stuff over and over and over again. So in every city and every, you know, every little town that the WWE goes to, you know where the gym is, mm-hmm. you know where the tanning bed is, you know where the, you know, where, you know, where you can get something clean to eat. So you got it all figured out. So in the morning, you know, you go eat, hit the gym, go do your thing and then hit the building, do it mm-hmm. again the next day. So it, it, it's actually very easy. Although it can be a grind just cause you wore out from always working and busting your ass. What was like one of the one of your favorite things to do? Like you guys would, you know, wrestle in front of the military, and you travel all over the United States and all over the world. Really, what was kind of like one of your favorite uh, favorite spots to go to or favorite things to do? The lounge and the hotel. 
after the wrestling matches so we could drink. <laughs> Being honest with you, yeah, that, that, yeah. you know, there are a lot of guys who, you know, went to the clubs or to the strip clubs. That wasn't my thing. I wasn't making, well, back in the day, I wasn't making enough money to give anybody my money to do it. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> I'm good with my money. You know, I'll just sit here and drink. Yeah. Uh, so I like to go to the lounge, have a couple cocktails, and then, you know, I ain't driving nowhere to get to my room. And when I first got in the business, we started going to uh, Chicago. Man, I went to the Sheds Museum, an aquarium here, stuff like that. But then, you know, all of a sudden you realize, hey, man, I'm in the trenches. I ain't, you know, I need to just kind of expend my energy doing the things I need, I know I need to do, and then go to the building and apply myself and try to get over. So it was just going to the lounge and not doing too much sightseeing. When you, like, when you finished wrestling, was there a time, because right now you might not think it, but you're in really good shape. So was there a period of time where you really got out of shape after being super physically active? Like, did, did that ever happen, or did you just stay in shape since that point? No, man, about every deer season in SEMA, man, <laughs> when we had Brooks Go Ranch, me and my buddy, uh, after every hunt, well, before every hunt, we drink a couple of Brogan Skull Ranch margaritas. You just go, you got, you got a little bit of buzz. Of yeah. Straight shooting. And then, uh, you know, probably skin a deer or something like that when you get back. And then, you know, man, we're going to drink IPAs. You know, this was before Brogan Skull IPA was born. So we drink IPAs, you know, all night or get on the jack. And, man, morning come, you get on the tractor, start shredding. And I had my power rack, I had dumbbells up to 100. You know, I had pretty good setup over there. But, man, them weights, it's like, man, they're kind of just in the way right now. So <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, you get home after two and a half months of doing that, and I tell my wife, for some reason, my mirror in Los Angeles looks <laughs> a lot different than the mirrors I was looking at down there in South Texas because, man, I was in a triple wide, and them damn mirrors had me in pretty good shape with a V torso <laughs> and a little bit of abs. I got back to L.A., I was an H, and I didn't have no abs. <laughs> I was almost an A. And, God, dang, you talk about just going to hell in the handbasket real quick. To answer your question, deer season almost all the time because of the way we partied down there. Yeah. And, you know, you know when you eat a bunch of fried stuff and then you're drinking beer, you know, your body's got to eliminate the alcohol first before it does anything to anything else. Yeah. So, you know, when there's so much alcohol in our bodies, everything that we put in basically turned into fat. And that's that's a true story. But now, you know, and on this last season, I let it go a little bit. But when I come back and I'm touching almost 280, that's been a hell of a deer season because normally I need to walk or when I'm filming my show uh, at 245. You were able to get back into squats. We saw a video that you posted uh, on social media talking about the knee sleeves and stuff like that. That got me fired up. That was really cool. But you were moving around some good weight. Man, and I was, and then I haven't got a chance to try out those thick uh, knee sleeves that you sent me, mm -hmm. but right when I started, you know, starting to move a little bit of weight, pretty comfortable, my knees started bothering me again, so I said, dude, is this really a good idea to try to start going heavy again? Because I think I said I wanted to hit a, a 500 squat or something like that, and I did, but after I started doing it, I was like, okay, along the way, Sounds like a good goal, right? but is it in my best interest? And at the end of the day, I'm leg heavy to begin with. You know, I haven't trained legs seriously in 20 years. So who gives a shit what I squat? <laughs> Dude next door don't care, and the yeah. person down at Walmart don't care. Man. But, but my quads look decent. I never have trained hams. My calves are pretty kind of genetic. So, nah, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm hitting the 500. And I just don't see a reason to because now what I'm kind of starting to realize is, 
you know, with having everything repaired from a fusion, C3-4, two uh, rotator cuff rebuilds, ACL, PCL put back in, tricep reattached. With all that, when things start going south, it's like, dude, if you really want to keep beating yourself up like you did in the ring or you want to treat yourself a little bit better. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep it medium heavy, Mark, yeah. and I probably – Play with 225, but to add any more weight to the bar than that, I think would be detrimental. You know, I'm, I'm trying to look 10 to 15 years down the road because I'm not a long-term planner. Most of my stuff is just day-to-day. But now that I'm starting to think, hey, dude, you know, if, if, if you're feeling like this now, uh, and when I wake up on a 1 to 10 of pain level, mm-hmm. I'm not even a 1. Right, but why? Why push myself into the threshold of what I do not know? Is this and your mindset wasn't that way when you were young, right? So that's what I was no. going to ask. Like, is this the first time you've actually thought about like ten to fifteen years from right now? Oh, first time ever. Yeah, yeah I mean, I think about tomorrow. I'm not thinking about tomorrow yet. Right. <laughs> I ain't done with yeah, today. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you know, I've told a story before. Like my, my older brother Scott, he'll tell you where he's going in two years, and he'll tell you how long they're going to be there, where they're going to stay, and what they're going to do. Man, when we used to have that ranch, I'd wake up and tell my wife, I think I'm going to drive to the ranch. That's 1,500 miles away. She said, when are you leaving? Eh, Wednesday. <laughs> when you come back? Uh, two weeks. All right, man. I'd haul ass. And just, so that's the way I, I kind of used to live. And I do for the most part still, but now I am looking a bit more long-term. So when, like back when you were, I guess, you were wrestling more, were you thinking about, were you think you weren't thinking long term? Like everything was just like, what's in front of you right there and then? That was your mindset? Yes. Damn. Yeah, it must, I mean, it must have been chaotic though, too, right? Yeah, so much coming at you every single day, right? Well, I mean, you know, Vince has a long term plan because he liked to really book a year out, sometimes maybe two. And then, you know, football, I mean, then uh, the wrestling business started picking up and speeding up. And then, you know, he couldn't book as far out. And then the writers came in, so he can't plan that far out, but he likes to plan that way. Me, the way it was going, you know, just trying to get from one thing to the next. You know, always think, okay, if you get through SummerSlam, you're trying to get to WrestleMania. You get to WrestleMania, you know, trying to get to SummerSlam. Like kind of six-month windows, but, you know, where you're at within a storyline or the framework of the company just depends on what, what's got, what you got going on. And, you know, if you're remaining healthy. Got, some of the guys are getting beat to shreds back in the day, so you, you kind of never knew. But, man, long-term plans uh, for me, man, just make it through the next week. Yeah. You mentioned your parents a little bit earlier about your upbringing. Um, you're about as humble as someone could possibly be for the amount of fame and being the greatest wrestler of all time, in my opinion. Um, what, like, uh, what did your parents or maybe your grandparents, uh, what did they instill in you? What do you think was kind of the key factor? Did they have you, like, did you grow up on a farm? Did they have you working your ass off every day? Or what kind of what was expected of you as a kid? Man, my, I got, uh, let me see, there's three brothers and a sister. My sister's a baby. So there's five kids. And, like, every night after dinner, you know, one of us had to, we rotated doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had a, we had a vinyl siding house you know during the summer we'd have to wash that damn house we mowed the yard every week you know we took the trash out i mean you, you had to clean up your room you had to do this that we had chores and if you didn't do your chores i mean this is back in the day when i was a kid you got your ass whipped and my mom and dad did an outstanding job and i'm not a whipping our ass of raising us but, uh, to, to be to know right from wrong and i've done wrong but they taught us the right way. And if you weren't going to work for something, you weren't going to get it. And so that's what they instilled in us. And, you know, like, like I said, man, 
my, my mom and dad supported me through everything that I ever did. And they didn't really know what to think of the fact of what I was going to do and how I was going to fare when I got in the business of pro wrestling, but they supported me. You know, but we just, we, we learned our lesson and we knew to take care of business the mm. way we were supposed to. And that's the way we were raised. Well, I'd imagine anytime you got back, you, anytime you got off track, it probably, you know, while there's temptations and there's things out there, but it probably didn't feel right because of the way you were raised, right? Hey, man, you know what, you know when something ain't right or, yeah. you know, when something's wrong? Yeah, you feel it like inside yeah. of it. Like, that's you, not, that's it's not an unsettling good. feeling. It's uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you said, it's, it's inside. Yeah. You know what's up. But it's also common sense. Right. But God dang, well, I don't want to uh, go into that subject. But that, <laughs> no, I just got finished watching that Aaron Hernandez video. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, they're kind of spinning the CTE, Amazing not spinning athlete. it towards the end. But, yeah. I mean, the dude was just a little different. Yeah. You know, not, I'm not talking about sexuality. I mean, he was just wired a little bit different, kind of, or, you know, kind of the, the gangster life or yeah. whatever. So it, it was it was really interesting. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, he had kind of a life in a fast lane kind of mindset and uh yeah things just man they just what an amazing talent though i mean he was like he was better than gronkowski when they were playing together i mean he was unbelievable man come on, gronk is you know, my Gr- guy yeah gronk's a hall of famer now mm-hmm. but anyway yeah. Uh, but yeah it was it was an interesting interesting it was an interesting story yeah um, you guys got to check it out yeah so and see do you even know who they're talking about I have seen the uh, Netflix documentary clip. I've mm-hmm. heard about it a little bit on different podcasts here and yeah. there. So, yeah, I, I, I know this. I was just, I was just basically curious. involved I don't in like two you, murders for Chris. Yeah. 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 Uh, so when, when you were seeing like people going to the strip clubs and doing all this and that, and you're just thinking, you know, like how he was just explaining how like you have like higher morals than that, I guess we'll say. Did you try to like pull anyone away from that? Like somebody who might have potential that's like, like, ugh, like man, if you – kind of you know s- slow down a little bit yeah stay over here maybe not don't mess no, with that too much I, no i never tried to do that and i wouldn't i wouldn't say that my morals were higher than anybody <laughs> <laughs> i just said i didn't go to strip clubs because i'm too cheap <laughs> don't confuse the two got it got it <laughs> yeah. read got between the lines yeah, i got yeah, it okay yeah um, yeah there was all kinds of things happened in the hotel lounge yeah okay <laughs> after the matches <laughs> yeah <laughs> along with that actually I guess kind of what Andrew said, but when I was a kid, like I saw like all these guys from the attitude era, I wanted physiques like that. Like I wanted to look like those dudes. So that inspired a lot of my training over the time. Now, when you, I don't know when it is that you realize that you had like the minds of millions of kids, but did that ever affect your decision-making going forward, seeing that all these people were looking at you as an example? No, I was always thinking about what my mom and dad taught me. But okay. again, you know, like I said, man, I made mistakes along the way and I paid for them. Yeah. But, you know, in my mind, you know, and some things just happen. Mm-hmm. You just try to do the best you can and, and manage, you know, all the situations that you get put in. But, you know, uh, I think you, you got to live your life for yourself. And you, it's it's great to try to inspire others or motivate others and and think about others. But you know, when things are happening, I think you're kind of living for yourself, really. Yeah. You know. But that being said, when people have high expectations of you, and you have high expectations of yourself, and you miss the mark, mm-hmm. you're missing the mark. Is it kind of a relief being, I guess, like you're still in a spotlight, but being out of that large of a spotlight, I guess. No, I just think that you know, with uh, with, with life and experience, you know. Hopefully you're making better decisions, mm-hmm. and you know if you touch a frying pan, 
and it burns the shit out of you. <laughs> Maybe when you're younger, you know, touch it again. But when you get older, <laughs> hey, man, I don't want to do that fucking frying pan. <laughs> I got you. You know what I'm saying? I, I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. How are you going to plan on uh, resetting yourself? How does this work out You know, when you're thinking about, like, man, I got to get back to training the way that I was. I need to get back on my diet. How do you, how do you start over again? You know, that's a, that's a really good question, Mark. I just get up. Uh, I don't sleep very much to begin with. I'd like to sleep more than I do, but I don't. So I get up about 4. I don't get out of bed. Well, I, I'll go make two, two cups of coffee. I'll drink my coffee. I'll get over here at 5. I'll put an hour in on my cardio, on my treadmill. And then uh, because you guys are coming over, I trained uh, tries this morning. And tonight I'll train back. You don't even need to tell us. We can see that you, what you train. <laughs> Popping right out of your camouflage shirt right there. It being way too generous. <laughs> uh, and I'll come back and I'll walk another hour on that treadmill. And not a crazy walk. Maybe maybe three to three point four miles an hour. It's just to I'll be moving walk. Yeah. So you're not sedentary. And so I'm, I'm busting ass every day every, every day of the week. And then I'll pick up the intensity on that cardio as I get more in shape. But because I've been so sedentary. Other than damn near losing my life up in those mountains from that altitude, dragging that mule deer down that down that thing, uh, I'll start picking it up. And uh, I tried something, and I've been on this for about six days. I was talking to Ryback, and he was on my podcast uh, just this past week. I don't want to sing airs, but a few weeks ago, Ryback was on my podcast, and he said uh, that he had been plant based for about I think a month, a little about a month and a half. And then uh, I'd seen C.T. Fletcher, our mutual friend, yep. announce on Instagram that he'd gone all plant-based. Mm-hmm. And when I saw C.T. say that, because you know C.T. Because <laughs> yeah, he's he all the double cheeseburgers, uh-huh. and then you're still a, a meat eater after he got his new heart. Uh-huh. And everybody loves C.T. And if C.T. says something, you kind of... You got to listen up. Hey, what, what's he talking about? So I called him right before Christmas, and he was in, he was in the mall shopping. I said, CT, what are you doing? He says, I'm in a mall shopping. And I said, hey, man, I said, well, what's this story about you being plant-based? He goes, Steve, he goes, I, I feel like a man bucks. And long story short, he was busy, so we kept it short. I sent him a couple of text messages. And I said, well, you know what? After talking to Ryback, after talking to CT, I said, you know what? Maybe I'll give this a shot. I've done everything else. Yeah. Why not give this one a shot? I've done the carnivore, which yeah. you're on. <laughs> I lasted about four days on that. And you're kind of, and Seema, you're kind of carnivore right now a little bit. Yeah, just, just lower carb. That's it. Okay. But God dang, man, I was eating so many steaks. When I was starving way back in the day in Tennessee, if you would have told me back in, hey, we're going to sign you up where for five meals a day, you're going to eat a big-ass ribeye steak cooked any way you want it. Mm-hmm. I said, sign me up because I was starving. But God dang, man, and I cook a pretty good steak, and I was buying good steaks. Yeah. But God dang, man, it's wearing my gums and my teeth out. Yeah. I said, fuck this. <laughs> so I, it was almost like everything in moderation. So I said, like, okay. I jump off the deep end about everything I do. So I'll jump off in the deep end of this and give it a shot. So I'm not, I, I don't say I'm plant based because I drink your protein powder and that's yeah. not a plug because I do. I like the chocolate way better than the, the vanilla. Uh, so I drink a uh, protein powder for my protein. I'll eat, uh, two dozen eggs a day, uh, white egg whites for my other protein mm-hmm. and then a uh, tofu or whatever my wife makes for me since she's a vegetarian as well and has been for, 30 years she knows her way around but me you know looking at x number of calories and wanting to get x number you know grams of protein and carbs they're coming up because you've got to have some carbs to be you got to have energy but yeah because you know 
of the low pro, of the lower protein. I'm used to eating, you know, close to, you know, 350, 360 grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. So you back off that and go down to about 250. Yeah. You know, you need to keep your carbs at 300 minimum, and then maybe 80 grams of fat. Yeah. So it's been a real, it's been a real interesting switch. And it was interesting because I wasn't used to getting so much fiber because I'm not a big vegetable guy. But now I'm kind of a vegetable guy because I ain't a whole lot of stuff to Stomach eat. doing okay with all of it? That's well. It takes it, a little bit, it, right? Those first few days, I was like, first of all, I didn't miss the fact that I wasn't eating meat. And I'm about as caveman carnivore as yeah. you can get as far as being a meat eater. So there's there's nothing I miss about it. And I was actually, to a degree, because I've been doing it so long, as you guys are younger than me, but you've been doing it the same amount of your lifetime as I have. So uh, I've eaten so many god dang plain grilled chicken breasts. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm really tired of eating yeah. plain grilled chicken breasts. Yeah. And then the same thing with the steaks or the lean ground beef, whatever. I said, man, I'll take a break. So I'm doing that right now. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm too early in to tell you what's going to happen mm-hmm. long term. But I don't miss eating meat. Uh, and, and that's interesting because now going back to my mule deer and my antelope that I took last year. Now, I will eat those when, when I go back to Nevada because that's mm-hmm. where they're at. But I'll, I'll kind of eat them as, on a, as needed or I'll treat it as a delicacy rather than eating meals, right. e- eating meat six meals a day. Right. So that's, I'm doing that different. And that, that's uh, it's, it's, it's been real interesting because most time when I ask plant-based people or vegetarians, I'll, I'll ask them from a bodybuilding perspective – uh, and nutrition, uh, as far as, you know, what's, you know, macros. Yeah, getting that protein. Yeah, I said, dude, well, what are you eating to get your protein in? And nobody can tell me. <laughs> they always come up with some kind of horseshit answer. Right. And so I'm finding out, you know, you know, to, for me, right. two dozen eggs, two protein shakes, and, you know, all that stuff to be in the mix of 250. I heard somebody more recently say, you know, one of the biggest mistakes uh, vegetarians ever made was becoming vegan. And I actually kind of agree with that statement because, you know, going pushing uh, that far may have been a big mistake. And then people can on the other side of things can say the same thing about the carnivore diet as well, you know, making that kind of judgment. But I, I think what you're talking about brings up a really good point. And this is stuff that people will talk about, you know, Sean Baker and some of these guys that are big proponents of the carnivore diet and they'll say well a lot of the studies on red meat are talking about people that eat a lot of other things well you like to eat a lot of other things you said everything in moderation so now it makes sense that you're backing down on the amount of grams of fat that you're taking in and the amount of red meat that you're eating because it's it seems to me that it's a fact that red meat can be bad for you in the presence of a lot of other foods like, it seems like there's a lot of good evidence, you know, that kind of leans that way. So I was just at a restaurant last night, and I, I got a ribeye, and I'm eating all this meat, and the, the chef came over, and my wife and I know the chef, and so we chatted with him a little bit. And he was like, I don't think I could really do that diet because I love carbohydrates. And he's like, and I worry, I would worry about my heart. And so that makes sense. Like, if this guy knows that he likes to eat ice cream and brownies here and there, as well as, like, rice and potatoes and kind of a good, you know, a mixed diet, then yeah, like you, you, you might cause more harm than good if you're going to start to add in a lot of meat on top of maybe having some bad habits or or not even bad habits, but just habits that allow you to have a larger expansion of what you eat. Well, and and you know you you were one of the guys before I started this. I thought about you because 
you know, I've seen you on Instagram. You thought about me going, oh, fuck. <laughs> now what's he doing? I lost somebody else. He lost another. A sling what? Oh, man. He's got hunter. the slingshot too? This is a hunter. It's turned turn into a vegan. I don't understand what's happening. No, but, you, you know, you, but you're not afraid to experiment and Absolutely. try different things. You, like with keto and yep. using carbs and doing the bodybuilding show mm-hmm. and changing your diet around and, you know, being a, you know a, a record-holding power lifter. So to me, it was just like, hey, man, let me do something different. I'm, yeah. I, I like kind of being in a comfort zone. Everybody says, hey, man, you know, change is, I don't like change. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> you, you need to be uncomfortable sometimes. No, I don't. <laughs> and, you know, for, you know just, just, just to try to make me a better person? No, yeah. I'm good. But I, I, I decided, hey, let's, let's change it up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like dunking yourself in cold water or something, right? Like- <laughs> So yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting, but and and I guess technically I would be ovo lacto because I'll drink milk and I'll eat egg whites, mm-hmm. and I I'll eat egg yellow too, just as far as a little bit of fat, but right. I'm basically egg white, so I'm not technically uh, what vegan or whatever the word is. Yeah. I'm, I'm new at this, and I'm not doing it because I watched any videos of, of animals going through a butcher line. I'm just doing it to, hey, for the hell of it to try it out, to give it a shot, and if I start eating meat again in two weeks or three weeks or four weeks. I do. No I'm one's not, gonna, I'm not saying if I've been keto before, yeah. carnivore before, high carb or, or carb cycling before, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go back to probably the happy medium when right. I when I achieve, you know, the goal that I'm trying to as far as my body composition. How's the uh, energy levels been? Everybody will tell you. God name my energy's through the roof. I got great energy. I haven't reached that state yet because you know, like when you go keto, you go keto flu. And then you yeah, you get yeah. there in mm-hmm. your zone, and then you, you level out, and you're good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't think I've gone through all the changes that I'm going to go through yet, but I can't complain about anything. Uh, I, you know, I'm drinking this coffee with you guys, but, uh, I mean, just pure energy or just like you feel dead dog tired, depleted. Right. No, everything so far has been really good. It's just getting over the hump of digesting all that fiber, but – from an energy standpoint, with with a little bit of increase in carbs, but not It'd be crazy interesting carbs. to see if it helps your sleep at all. Because if it helps your sleep, you might be onto something. But you, you've had trouble sleep forever, pretty much. Man, well, I was drinking a cup of coffee last night about ten p.m. and Ooh. I just couldn't <laughs> figure out why can't I sleep? Good lord, <laughs> Kristen, is this not decaf? Hello, I've got a problem here. No, uh, no, no man, I've been. I used to sleep like a, a baby. When I was like eight months old, because I was a baby. <laughs> but when I got into the pro wrestling business, and man, your, your sleep, your circadian rhythm gets all jacked up because of all the time zones over, all the late nights, all the drives. So when I come out of wrestling business, you know, I, that kind of forever changed my sleep pattern. And right now, that, that's another thing that I'm really trying to hone in on and improve is my sleep because you know and you guys are high profile lifters and are in really good shape but all these guys especially your elite bodybuilders they'll say sleep is so key yeah. to recovery and recuperation and all that and not everybody can take you know an hour two hour nap in daytime because they ain't got time <laughs> right. and, and, and if it's daylight i can't sleep yeah. so if i could get six hours uninterrupted that would be gangbusters for me yeah. because I might sleep two or three hours, wake up, you know, an hour or 30 minutes. I, I might just be in and out. And I, I, like four o'clock, I might as well just go ahead and get up, start drinking my coffee, get up and, and work out because sleep is not easy for me. How long were you sleeping when you were wrestling? 
Any idea? Well, it depends on the night before. Because <laughs> sometimes I mean, you you're performing actually, a high level and you're yeah. going out there and doing those wrestling promos and stuff and hitting all your marks of, you know, what date you're fighting this guy and all that stuff and doing a lot of stuff live. It must have been a lot of it's a lot of pressure. I'm sure it's impossible to like unwind mm-hmm. after you just wrestled the rock at WrestleMania. That's got to be uh, insane. The, to those guys got to stay with you. But anytime you come out of the ring from in front of a crowd like that or any kind of crowd, you know, when they give you an ovation and you're trying to take them on a ride and they're responding to what you're doing. There's an adrenaline rush, you know, while you're there. And then, you know, it's that uh, afterglow, if you will, afterwards, and mm-hmm. you're trying to burn that off. And, you know, man, with, with my act, you know, I started guzzling beers there in the ring. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I mean, I'm just shooting straight with you. I mean, I'd have a little bit of a buzz before I got to, to the dressing room. And, you know, there's a 12-pack of beer in there, too. So, I mean, you know, you just kind of start I remember, relaxing. I remember seeing you wrestle The Rock uh, here in Los Angeles, and you just basically got shit-faced in front of everybody. <laughs> I was like, he drank so much fucking beer on his way to the, on his way to the back. It was it was like unbelievable. I was and like, it, holy shit. That was un- And then crazy. didn't you have uh, like a fire hose full of beer, too? Like, yeah. That was actual beer? I think that was a Philly. Yeah, the uh, the yeah, Budweiser the truck? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what it was. Truck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the first 30 gallons was beer, and then it turned into water. But, yeah, that was a real deal. Oh, shit. So, but, you know, and people say, well, you know, you know, alcohol kind of interrupts your sleep. And people say, well, I'll take a drink or get yeah. a drink for, you know, to help me go to sleep. Right. I guess it kind of interferes with REM sleep. Yeah. Right. And so, but anyway, it will help you go to sleep. How? What kind of quality of sleep? Well, because the amounts that... I don't want to say us, because I was drinking. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd sleep pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they say it, it's, it more like sedates you than you actually fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sedated sleep versus no sleep, I mean, yeah. which one's better? <laughs> sedated sleep is way better than no sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you start yeah. feeling ragged with no sleep. Um, well, so, like, now, like, right now, do you, if you drink before bed, are you, a, or if you don't drink, are you able to sleep well or no? Like, have you, have you tried that? Yes. And that, that's a good question just because. Man, when you're coming off of the the, the deer season that I had, mm-hmm. and you're rolling high, you know you start backing off. If you just go cold turkey, oh, you're gonna toss and turn. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I'll drink a glass of wine before I go to sleep. I mean, you're talking about a six ounce pour. Okay. And so uh, let me see, a bottle of wine will last me three nights. So. Okay. So yeah. that's for for me. That's yeah. like a world record. Yeah, but see. As I start, you know, going down from the from the six ounces, then I'll end up with zero. But anytime you try to do anything, I can do just about anything cold turkey. But that will interrupt my sleep. So, in within the next five to seven days, it will be nothing. Mm. Do you like? Is there a plan to, I guess, lower the amount over time, or like not really? No, no, you just just shorten up the pour a little bit. But gotcha. yeah, like I said, just in, in, in a matter of days, then I won't. You you don't need to pass fire anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you just come off of like what I've described, yeah. and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not you know, just killing fifths. <laughs> I'm just saying when you go from a pretty good amount to to zero, and yeah. yeah, you you better have just one drink. Have you messed around with any uh, intermittent fasting at all? Man, I tried that back in the day when when I was talking to you about mm-hmm. it a year and a half, two years ago, and it's it's a real interesting thing. 
uh, and nutrient timing is really interesting. Yeah. And I do believe it's a science. I do believe it's a, a thing. Yeah, like during the workout <laughs> mixture you're supposed to take, post-workout, uh-huh. stuff man, you're I, supposed to take when you wake up and go to bed. And- I'm kind of a proponent of, man, if it's a 24-hour cycle, and I, and I, you know, I know it sets the blood up or gets blood sugars out or yeah. whatever, but for me – you know, if, if I'm steady with everything that I do and I keep those macros, you know, in the windows that they need to be, I'm good. Yeah. And yeah. So Jake I, Cutler says, uh, don't be fancy. Just be consistent. Yeah. You know, if you try to be too fancy one way, if you try to fast too much, maybe you're going to end up binging. You, know? you outthink yourself. And, you know, if you think yeah. about it so much, you start <laughs> micromanaging. Hey, dude, if, if Jake Cutler said that, he knows a thing or two about staying in shape. So uh, I would take that as kind of the gospel. A thousand grams of carbs. Jesus Every Christ. day. That was back in the day, probably. <laughs> yeah, when he was getting really big yeah. for the stage. You know, he looks really good transitioning out hey, of He that, looks man. awesome. He looks so healthy. Yeah, he mm-hmm. looks great. So uh, just real quick, going back to the uh, to the drinking and, uh, and whatnot, but uh, – and I think you posted on your Instagram, it was on the, uh, I think the AFC championship when they scored a touchdown. Uh, one of the guys, he went up and grabbed two drinks and he, you know, did the stone cold, smashed them and started drinking them. Uh, is it crazy to see like your influence still to this day amongst like everything that we That's do? That's a in the great United feeling States? doing that, by the way. I think, I think everyone should do that in their lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that guy, if I'm not mistaken, that was uh, number 72, Eric Fisher for Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm and offensive lineman and when i saw him do that with as many crazy celebrations as those guys got these days and he got fined fourteen thousand dollars for that and you know he didn't even drink you know he poured it on his helmet Mm. and i was like golly you're gonna find that guy fourteen thousand dollars for that Mm -hmm. i was i was flattered though yeah for to be gone as long as i have been from that business you know, and for guys, you know, still recognizing and remembering mm-hmm. the things that I did, you know, that's a pretty good feeling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that uh, Travis Kelsey and uh, mm-hmm. uh, George Kittle. Yeah, George those, Kittle's a huge fan. That's what I was going to Tight ends. Yeah. And I, I know they think a lot of me and I know Lane Johnson, a couple of those guys. Uh, it, it, it's really cool to still be able to hold a, have an influence and mm-hmm. those guys remember the things that I did because man, that, that's a wild bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure it's a good bunch of guys, but you know, that's, that's, yeah. you know, I, 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 I love football. And so there are many of the same feelings of the, and those guys are crazy, uh, big, strong, fast these days, mm-hmm. much more so than, than we were when, when <laughs> we were kids, but it's cool. Yeah. When, uh, so Mark and I went to the, uh, the Niners Vikings playoff game and, uh, you know, they announced George Kittle and then you hear this, it was like, Oh shit, stone cold. Like, uh, and I look up and they have, they like, uh, they've replicated your, like, uh, your face, you know, on the screen, but it was George Kittle's uh, face. Yeah. So it was like, when it he was, makes plays, they do that too. It was it sick. Big play, it, it, all the time. Because, because everybody in the crowd, they, they recognize it. And obviously they're all Niner fans, but like those that recognized it were like even more fired up. And I'm just like, God, like, man, stone cold still crushing it. You know, even though he's not, he's not here right now, but he's like, you know, your presence is still there. Every now and then uh, I'll, uh, you know, just be watching TV or something and my Twitter will blow up and I'll like, man, what'd I do? <laughs> I didn't even tweet nothing out. And it might be, it might be an NBA game or a college game or uh, a hockey from NHL and they'll, they'll bust out with uh, the Stone Cold theme. And so, man, all of a sudden I'll, I'll get lit up. I, okay, I had another sporting event. So, yeah, man, it's cool. That's great. I mean, when, when you can do something and be remembered for it, I mean, if you did something and nobody remembers, well, 
you didn't do anything to be remembered for. And so if the best I did was to excite people and, and make people remember me or, or that, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Did you get to see a Conor McGregor fight? <sighs> man, all 40 seconds of it. Yeah. I, you know, and God dang, man. He came in there, and the way that thing went with those left shoulders. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> yeah. and I've seen kind of like, I don't even know if John Jones kind of mixed him up because John Jones is, is yeah, crazy unorthodox, Jones. super. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably one of the best, if not the best fighter ever. But for Connor to, and Connor's a you know badass yeah. as well. For him to come out, come out with that strategy was phenomenal. I've never seen anybody be so effective with mm-hmm. that. You know, and Cowboy had two knockouts going into that, but be that effective with a shoulder strike with a fighter of Cowboy's caliber. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of uh, like George St. Pierre in his uh, in his prime because George always had some crazy plan. Remember he jabbed uh, was it Diego Sanchez? He like jabbed him to death. I've never seen that at, before or since. Like mm-hmm. he just jabbed him to death. Uh, he always had a game plan. He always had a strategy that was going to work, even if the other guy was super talented. So that's what I admired about that fight. I was like, man, he's you know coming in there. Nail. I think he really rocked him with like one of them, and I he, think he got him on the nose. He pretty broke. Good he broke his nose. It looked like he. Yeah, it looked like he did break yeah, his nose. It's like he, he, you've seen that, and then he just literally kicked the shit out. Yeah, of yep, yep. yeah. You've seen it <laughs> before really in the him. past, but he's the first person to actually like set it up. Right, like he's the first one to be like, "This is gonna fuck you up," and then, bam! Sure enough, it did, and he kept going. It's like, like what and just happened? Maybe he learned that from boxing. You know, maybe he learned a little bit of that from you know going against uh, Floyd. I don't know. Maybe he sat back and watched some, some fights of other guys and said, "Hey, man, yeah, you're not leaning on me. <laughs> yeah, you know, this might work, or I, who knows? I, I, I'll stop even speculating. But God dang, it was a, it was the damnedest thing that I've ever seen, and to. Take out Cowboy, like I said, a fighter of that caliber with that, yeah, very effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, here's the thing. The next fight that he has is going to be exponentially tougher, Yeah, and that person will have seen what he, how he used that against Cowboy. So what will they do, mm-hmm. you know, and, and how will that fight go down? Because I know they're talking about Jorge. Uh, Masvidal mm-hmm, or yeah. uh, who was the other guy they're throwing in the mix? That would right? be a big money fight, right? There. Yeah, it was not Sonny. Is that the same division with uh, Kobe Covington? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. He got I... messed up, but dude, that guy's badass. Yeah, yeah. Kamaru Usman's one who Ka- Kamaru Usman. There it is. Yes, that dude's badass. Oh, so yeah, there, there's there's three names. I the think uh, talent level and that's jumping up exponentially yeah. too. I mean, the UFC fighters are unbelievable. The athleticism mm-hmm. that you're starting to see, starting to be pretty crazy. Man, I was watching uh, uh, UFC three or four mm-hmm. the other day because I was down that Tank YouTube wormhole. <laughs> Dan Severn. It was Dan Severn versus Shamrock is yeah. what I was watching. Yeah, and man, how how that sport, to your point, has progressed with the MMA background. Right. I mean, and all the all the you got to have some jujitsu. I mean, it, it would it behooves you to, mm-hmm. but still, you know. Wrestling based seems to be better, but you got to turn into a striker yeah. so you can put on a show and have a fight. But God dang, man, it's a light year <laughs> difference from back in the day. Do you think uh, you would have ever done UFC? If nah, it, no, man, I've been asked that a million times, and mm-hmm. I always, I always say, yeah, maybe I could have been okay because okay. at my best, I was an okay football player that got a football scholarship. Uh, 
I've been knocked out one time by the Undertaker when his head hit the, the back of his head hit me in the chin. He gave me nightmares. I ran into a steel eye beam on a movie set, and that thing oh. didn't take me down. But I don't know if I'd have been worth the shit or not. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> that I found pro wrestling, and I can only maybe surmise that when uh, just winding down mm-hmm. for the day. But it's not something that crosses my mind very often. So in uh, in wrestling, they had many different styles, and one of the funniest uh, matches that I remember was you against Kurt Angle when he challenged you to like a wrestling match, mm-hmm. right? And then you out wrestled him, which was fantastic. But do you like or dislike that MMA is kind of turning into? like everybody's becoming the same fighter like you do have to have you know a good striking game you do need to know jujitsu and you're right wrestling uh as a base seems to be like the the perfect base to start it's not with. as fun as it used to be like it was it was really it's exciting to watch but it used to be fun when you're like all right this dude knows karate and this guy's like a sumo wrestler and they're gonna go at it you know that was kind of neat when it was like bob sap against you know a jujitsu fighter like yeah. holy shit where are we going with this well man i just you know Everybody wants to stand and trade. They want to stand there and bang. It's exciting, right? That's where it the money is. It is. But, I mean, you know, like, man, Cowboy had a little bit of wrestling background, and, and a wrestling background might have helped him. Yeah. You know, rather than stand there. Because I think, you know, they, they he knew they wanted to just stand there and trade with him. But, man, Connor, that dude's <laughs> – He's pretty. He's pretty heavy-handed, in my yeah. opinion, and he's salty as hell, and he's smart, and he's just savvy. He's a hell of a fighter, and and, and he, he's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't know. It, it's it's interesting. I I love MMA, but it's hard for me to speak technically about it because you know I don't know it. Like I I, I watch football on football uh, attic, but I can't really speak X's and O's. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's funny because UFC fans are funny because like man, sometimes a fight goes to the ground. And it's a great technical fight, right. and these guys putting on a clinic, and they're just kind of canceling bones. each other out. Bones. But the, the the crowd starts booing because yeah. they yeah. want to stand up, and see yeah. them bang. Yeah. It's like, come on, man, that's just hell of a fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're the same. Like, we're we're not like the uh, fight en- encyclopedias where like they mention a fight, like oh that happened on this date or that date. So we're just like you. We just we just love watching good fights. Yeah, same. I, I, we just talked about three cats: Kamara Usman, Covington, and uh, who's Adesanya or Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, I'm sitting. Okay, are they all still in the same weight division? So, like, yeah, right. no idea. I, yeah. I, I don't know all the divisions. <laughs> yeah, I just know who fought who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that might have been a big difference for McGregor too, being up a weight class. You know, he looked great. Yeah, he physically looked good. And he yeah. was strong. He was also like, I don't know if you guys noticed, in all the promos leading up to it, he was like really really nice mcgregor he wasn't being super he, he was a different mean. mcgregor he was literally a different person i don't know if that's just he wasn't act because he's as coming as off inflammatory loss. yeah i don't know if, i don't get it i just think that maybe you know on the way to doing his business with floyd mayweather he just kind of like hey man that this is i don't need to go to that level at this level with cowboy and maybe it's respect for the cowboy too because he's universally kind of respected by all those guys and loved by the fans it could have been that issue mm-hmm. but he, i like the way he spins up a fight but after seeing him go you know throwing so, the dial in the bus I, I don't think you always need to rev up and go yeah. you know, seven thousand rpm yeah uh do you think that he stole vince mcmahon's walk you That's see the walk that he's doing, you know. That, that that is Vince McMahon's walk because <laughs> I remember, you know, hell, I was in the ring, you know, when he started inventing that, and he started, and then he turned it into what he turned it into. So I, I, th- I think, I think Vince got a trademark on that. <laughs> but you know, Vin, you know, Vince is, uh, you know, he he might have started it, but it's it's kind of like the super kick. 
you know, back in the day, it was gentleman Chris Adams move, and then all of a sudden, it's somebody else is using it in different territory, and it's their move, and then Shawn Michaels start using it very effectively. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I've been kicked in the mouth by that son of a bitch. My teeth are still loose. So the, the super kick ended up being Shawn Michaels. So yeah. right now, the Vince McMahon walk is the Conor McGregor walk. What's uh, something Nobody that, invents anything anymore. You know it's all recycled. Right, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. What's something that uh, separates out someone like Vince McMahon from kind of the general general population? You know, what? what's something that, uh, you know, what, what what did you see in him, you know, that made him such a driving force and such a successful person? That's just who he is. Man, God don't like to sleep because, he, you know, he wants to keep working. He's a workaholic. Man, man, that guy has instincts and vision and drive. And just keeps coming on. Man, day. he grew up, you know, some people when they think of Vince McMahon, they think, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's just being there. You know, he's born on Tobacco Road. You know, mm-hmm. he had it rough coming up, and nobody gave him nothing. And he bought the business from his dad, you know, on a leverage buyout. And, you know, if he missed one payment, you know, everything was gone. Yeah. And then he has the vision, hey, man, I think he borrowed it from something uh, down there in, uh, in uh, NWA, WCW, but. He uh, maybe it was a Starcade, but anyway, you know, he made the pay per view model, you know, what it is or what yeah. it was. And I got the network, had the vision for the network, and and he had the vision uh, of all the. To answer your question, the guy is, is just an absolute, extremely intelligent guy with an incredibly high work ethic and a high sense of pride, taking pride in what he's what he's doing and what he's done, and attention to detail. Yeah, I remember he had just a... Uh, to answer your question, bottom tough. line, he's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like he has a very, very tough uh, mindset. I remember seeing an interview with him, and he talked about uh, getting uh, you know, physically abused by, I think, his like, stepdad. And he said, you know, if you, if you don't kill me, then I win. You know, and it was that, I mean, that's a, that is a very tough mindset, and that's a different, a different style of person, you know? Hey, Survivor. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, uh, it was funny because... When he got into the business, his dad never wanted him to get into the business, but his dad was having a hard time promoting the town of Bangor, Maine. And he, his, his dad told him, if you can go down and promote Bangor and uh, make it a success, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get in the business. Vince went down and promoted the shit out of it. The show did well. Got him in the business. You know, when he got a chance to uh, work with me, you know, he got a chance to get in, in the ring. And he always wanted to be a wrestler, yeah. but his dad wouldn't let him. So, you know, when he took that bump, we was in uh, Memphis at the Pyramid, and he took a bump off the top of the cage onto that desk and damn near broke his back or his neck. And I was like, you know, we didn't go out there and practice that. We didn't yeah. rehearse it. I just told him, I said, dude, I said, you want to take that bump? He goes, oh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fine, Steve. I said, dude, I said, you don't, you don't need to take that bump because I'm, I'm fine. Dude, we went out there, had the match. You know, he's bleeding, takes the bump, damn near breaks his neck. That's the kind of guy he is. He just, yeah. he just, he wants to put on a show and he wants to deliver. Uh, and if he's betting on, if he's betting on anybody, he's betting on himself. And, he, and he's in the entertainment business, so he will go to the end of the world mm. to make sure that the people leave entertained. You know, you mentioned Vince McMahon and his uh, his vision and like how in the past you didn't think like ten to fifteen in the future, but now you do. So. I'm wondering now, you know, you have the podcast, you're doing a bunch of other stuff. 10 to 15 years from now, what do you see? Like, what do you want your mark to be with that? Like, what do you want to be doing now? Or your effect? I don't know. 
haven't thought that far in advance. I got you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know that uh, we're working on a place in Nevada, and I'd like to segue out of California in the near future. I probably always maintain a place here, but I want to. I, I just know that I want to travel, and I, about my mark and my legacy, people will remember me for whatever they think of me, and and that's that's the end of that. <clears throat> but as far as me, I'd like. I want to. I want to use out of here and uh, keep doing things. But I, I want to do some traveling. Travel, travel, mm-hmm. like go all over the place. No, type no, thing, man. Or just I, I was U.S. Talking, dude, I had lunch yesterday with Calvin Klein. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a damnedest thing. Uh, Rich Menzer knows him, and uh, so went down to Gold's and I met him, and we went out to, to lunch. And he travels a lot, and it was a pleasure meeting that guy. You know, and it, he's an icon. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's about as iconic as it gets. And he's traveling a lot now, mm-hmm. or you know, he goes back and forth between you know L.A. and New York. How and old is Gold's he? He's, I think he's probably seventy-seven. Okay. Super cat, super with it. Yeah. You know, super savvy. And you know, I ain't got no plans on leaving the United States. I'm good mm-hmm. staying here. My <laughs> wife wants me to go to Hawaii because I've never been there, and she loves it there. Now, I, w- I would jump across the pond and go to Mexico, mm-hmm. maybe Cabo or something like that. Mm. But I, I don't want to travel the world. When I when I say travel, I mean get in my truck and hook up my camper and, and put a, my, right. my Kawasaki in the back and just go camping three or 400 miles, ride around for a couple yeah. of days, and yeah. go back home. Or just drive across, drive, drive around a damn state, or go into uh, Utah. I've always wanted to see a lot more of Utah and drive some of that country. But that's what I mean. I just want to go out there and get in my buggy and ride. Sacramento is a great place to visit. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> man, that's been an interesting thing about you know because we've been in California, or we are in California. I've been here fifteen years. When we did Broken Skull Challenge out there in Aguadulce, we was on I think about one hundred and eighty acres, mm. and it backed up some some land I could ride my my buggies over there. In Texas, you know, I had 2,000 acres. You know, I had a good area to ride, but it's like yeah. riding a rectangle. Man, when you get out in Nevada and you get out some of that public land, it's really interesting because, I mean, you just have thousands of miles to enjoy mm-hmm. or you know, potentially get lost in. Yeah. So it, it's it's very refreshing that you can you see that much of the country, you know, on a four-wheeler and a side-by-side. Mm-hmm. And that's what relaxes me, and that's what I enjoy, whether mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the next greatest thing or thinking about nothing. If I got a wheel in my hand – and you know them four wheels. I'm just cruising on a bunch of rocks. Yeah, man, that's a good damn day. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think the uh, the WWE will ever be able to produce another Stone Cold, uh, another John Cena, another The Rock? You know, somebody of that like stature. Man, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of can they produce it, but can that guy come along? Yeah. Yeah, it's does that guy a, exist? It's a, it's a two-way street there. I think the two have to meet in the middle, and that person has to have the talent and the the, the ring ability and the the charisma, just the crossover and the charisma yeah. to relate to uh, that people can relate to from you know a, a love or hate level, uh, depending on what they are. And but ultimately, you know, ending up probably as a babyface, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that person is going to come along one of these days, and I don't know that they're not in the system right now. <clears throat> You know yeah. they could be, but uh, I think the 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 last thing you saw, big like Cena and, and Brock Lesnar, and Brock Lesnar, I mean he's so legit. You know, uh, like yeah. you could really try is. to follow that act. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. So we 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 will see, yeah. and I hope. 
Yeah, I think that um, it might be tougher at the moment, but just because I think, and it, you know, it could be, it could still be this way, but it seemed like a lot of the guys uh, from years ago really ate shit for a long time, and it doesn't seem like there's that that process going on. So you might not get as uh, seasoned, you know, you might not get as salty. Like you, I think, I think you need to be like, you need to shit beat out of you a little bit. You mm-hmm. need like you guys used to go to overseas and wrestle in Japan and Mexico and they would, you know, wrestle in other spots and then, you know, going, going to a promotion and then wrestling in front of five people and, or having the whole thing canceled and driving four hours. Like you kind of, I think you might need some of that. Man, I sure think it helps. I really do. Just paying your dues. And when you got to really draw those people into a building or you ain't going to make no money, you know, that that makes you really try to learn how to pull that emotion from those people and, and work them, you know, because that's what you're there for. And you, you can teach someone the moves, but you can't teach nobody – you know, you know, you can't really teach someone how to manipulate the the, the human emotions, mm-hmm. and that's when the money is made at an emotional level. And here's a classic example, and I was a, a case of that, but a better example that I that, that I can speak of from afar is Randy Macho Man Savage. Savage was down there in Tennessee, and you know, he's an IPW or some other stuff. But but I, I remember Savage down in USWA, fighting across from Lawler and all those guys, and he was a Macho Man. And when Vince hired him, he'd been in the business at least eight years, maybe 10, but at least eight. So, and his dad was a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So when Vince got him, Randy could work his ass off, knew all, you know, knew everything about the business. And Vince put the rocket pack on him. But Randy, my point is he paid his dues. He learned the trade inside out, heel baby, this, that, uh, persona, gimmick, work promo and obviously he was a super talented cat so once you got up to vince i mean my my point is not everybody's doing that and and now i don't think you have to go through that Mm -hmm. but i do think it helps yeah i know dude when we when i first started out and uh i was driving a a forklift you know at a freight dock company and uh two months after i made my debut you know, I'd ask Jerry Jarrett, I said, hey, man, when do you think I, I could start working full-time? Because I want to start wrestling full-time. And uh, he goes, hell, hell, Steve, I think you're ready now. We'll send you down to Memphis in two weeks. Two weeks later, I was driving down there, and, man, I stayed in a shithole <laughs> uh, hotel called the Congress Inn on Dickerson Pike. It's still there. And with all due respect, it's still a shithole. <laughs> and the people that ran that hotel back in the day were Shane and Sonny Hall. I'll never forget their names. Mm-hmm. And I was making $15 or $20 on a good day a night. And we were driving anywhere from 300 to 450 you know, every single yeah. night. And so, man, I was starving to death. And they let me pay my rent whenever I had the money. And so, man, when you're paying your dues and you're riding up down the road and you really need to learn this stuff because yeah. you're going to keep starving until you learn it so you can help contribute to bringing those people in, you you kind of absorb everything just a little bit more readily, in my opinion, and I'll leave it at that. That was your first uh, 
plant-based diet, right? Didn't you just eat potatoes or something? Right? Well, it, it was it was uh, it was proteins and carbs with no fat because I had about twelve cans of tuna and about a fifteen-pound uh, bag of potatoes, and so I'd, I'd eat a can of tuna fish and a potato for breakfast, lunch, and supper. The Ultimate Warriors talked about that before too, just eating like tuna yeah. out of the can, like yeah. day in and day out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I ran out of tuna, so. <laughs> For breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I had a peel, you know, it was raw potato, mm-hmm. and I just peeled it with my pocket knife. So I was I was basically carb based. I was plant based. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't eating no meat because I couldn't afford it, and I wouldn't let nobody buy me a hamburger because you know, I can't do that. Right. So yeah, man, when you when you do that, I remember we went to a town that night, and I just washed my That'd my, be my a clothes weird feeling, on the laundromat. Potatoes, right? That'd be nuts. Yeah, we, I was at the laundromat, and I just washed all my clothes, and my pants are so loose because I lost a lot of weight. And Matt Bourne says to me, God damn, Steve, why don't you wash your clothes? They're, they're all loose. I had put an extra quarter in there to shrink them up. How tight <laughs> they were. I could pull my pants off without, without unbuttoning them. That's how loose those things were. We used to call it Nutrisystem territory because everybody that went there lost weight. Oh, shit. Yeah. That's a shoot. You know, you mentioned the uh, Randy Savage's ability to, I guess, manipulate emotion. Now, for you, obviously, you know, when we see you, we – you can tell that you're able to do that, but was that, I guess, always something that you kind of had a gift of, or did you really have to develop that side of yourself? Man, I had to learn it because maybe, maybe I had it in me, but I had to learn it because, man, in high school, all uh, you know, growing up through grade school, I was a shy kid. And you know, I've always hung out by myself. Anyway, I like being by myself. I ain't got nothing but shy. But I was a shy kid. So you know, going out there, you know, all of a sudden with a bunch of badass guys that are veterans, you know, you walk into a locker room. You know, I know you're big into soccer. You walk into any kind of place where someone's got ten or fifteen years experience, and you walk in with two months. Yeah. You know, it, the world changes, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, here's what's up. I may be shy, I may be a little bashful, but if I don't get my hands in this and, and you know, learn how to do it, I ain't going to mount the hill of beans. So you're either going to oh, just wilt up and go away, or you're going to man up, learn the shit, and just, you know, go about it, but ask everybody along the way for advice. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the way it was for me. I might have had it in me, but I had to learn it and develop it. You've been in the locker room a lot around a lot of other guys, guys messing around, horsing around. Do you know anything about thigh wars? <laughs> <laughs> this guy over here, <laughs> it is soccer days, telling us about how they would uh, like wrestle each other's leg on each other or something like that. You know anything about any in, of this? In case you didn't you know, already dislike soccer enough or you <laughs> 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 oh, <laughs> I ain't never heard of it. Yeah, see? <laughs> Soccer ain't a thing in South Texas. <laughs> when I was a kid, we were talking before we hit the microphone uh, record button about soccer and how global it is. And I think it's an amazing sport. And it's not something that I watch on a frequent basis. But those guys or gals are just supreme athletes. And the way they can kick a damn ball with their feet and run along that thing is flat out amazing. And, yeah. hey, man, and them some bitches, now they can they can flop as good as an oh, Oscar oh yeah, winner. Yeah. That's an art. But they can be cheap and dirty as hell when they're trying to take somebody out so mm-hmm. i respect it a hundred percent yeah yeah i like good old american football though yeah no. mm-hmm. it is more i honestly like football is more fun to watch than soccer i can't i can't deny that it's way more fun to watch than soccer but i'll tell you what man when you see like brazil or england man those people they'll start jumping in those stadiums those stadiums are literally about to come down mm-hmm. the, i mean the, the whole world is tuned into that 
And hell, that one soccer player, when they lost that game a couple of years ago, something happened to that guy. Remember that? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, was, he was killed. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to bring it up, but it'd be like five years ago. <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying. I'm yeah, just saying I'm that's how serious they take that shit. Mm-hmm. You know, field goal kicker misses the clutch kick. Eh, coming back next year, probably. <laughs> You know, he ain't gonna get killed. Yeah, Scott Norwood's still alive. Yeah, <laughs> even after the Buffalo Bills years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Twenty, thirty years. The ago, laces were in. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much uh, for your time. We always appreciate having you on. You got something else to add? No, no. I was gonna say yeah. thank, thanks for the uh, yeah. uh, time. I'm glad you guys came by and saw me, and uh, appreciate the protein powder. I, I, I love it. Uh, I'm using it daily. And on Instagram, I'm Steve Austin BSR. On Twitter, I'm Steve Austin BSR. And we're going to work here in a couple of months to shoot season two of Straight Up Steve Austin for the USA Network. And that'll start dropping in the summer. And then uh, every month, I have a show called The Broken Skull Sessions, which we film right here. And I talk with a WWE superstar uh, about this, out or whatever. And it's uh, every month on the WWE Network. So if you don't have a network, and you enjoy me or some of the guys that I've been able to talk to, uh, check it out. You mixing the Broken Skull Ranch IPA with the Slingshot Protein? <laughs> you talk about a, a win-win? <laughs> I love it. Awesome. That's all the time we got. I'm at Mark Smelly Bell on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Where can they find it, Andrew? Uh, at I am Andrew Z, but make sure you guys are following the podcast at Mark Bell's Power Project on Instagram, at MB Power Project on Twitter, uh, TikTok, all over the place. Uh, make sure you guys are subscribed, and please rate and review on iTunes. Ensima, where are you at? At Ensima Yang on Instagram and YouTube, at Ensima Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. And uh, yeah, Mark. Strength is never a weakness. Weakness is never a strength. Catch you all later. And that's Callie. Uh, she's my black lab, and she's about to be three years old. She just did a run in. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram. I'm kidding you. Oh, I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Appreciate Thank it. you so much. Oh,